thank you Alex for leading us thus far in our worship and we'll continue our worship this morning opening the scriptures and we'll look at 2 Timothy chapter 3 continuing in our series 2 Timothy chapter 3 and we will pick up at uh, verse 10 and for the sake of a title my message this morning it's the characteristics of strong and godly leadership we see this in verses 10 to 17 and I trust as we read the scriptures and we work our way through some of these verses that we will indeed see our supreme example Jesus Christ this morning follow with me as I read these verses 2nd Timothy chapter 3 and verse 10 now you followed my teaching conduct purpose faith patience love perseverance persecutions and sufferings such as happened to me at Antioch at Iconium and at Lystra what persecutions I endured and out of them all the Lord rescued me indeed all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will be persecuted but evil men and impostors will proceed from bad to worse deceiving and being deceived you however continue in the things you have learned and become convinced of knowing from whom you have learned them and that from a childhood you have known the sacred writings which are able to give you the wisdom that leads to salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus all scripture is inspired by God and profitable for teaching for reproof for correction for training in righteousness so that the man of God may be adequate equipped for every good work may the Lord add a blessing to his word this morning as we work our way through these verses we're only going to be looking at some of it but uh, this morning and leaving God willing the next week to finish off but as I was looking at this text this morning I was trying to think how I could um, introduce it and I was considering times in your life or my life where we kind of knew what we had to do and knew what course had to take place or that we had to go down but were set to wondering if there was any other way an easier way especially Maybe a shortcut. Is there a shortcut that leads in a good and healthy and the right direction rather than the way that you kind of have in your back in your mind that you know where you need to go? You know, this could be when difficult times hit any of us hard. Maybe it's be when you're laid off from work and not knowing where to go from there. Or, or maybe it's marriage issues, problems. Uh, or family tensions, uh, maybe even like financial hardship, or, or perhaps even some threatening health crisis. You know, what should I do? What is the right kind of thing to do? Where should we, we go in all this? And so in these difficulties, whatever they may be, the stress levels rise, and, and you begin to wonder how on earth you will cope and come through this time of extreme difficulty. How will you endure and at the same time be a faithful servant of the Lord uh, who will not buckle under the pressure of whatever extreme difficulty you're facing? This difficult life stuff that we're all faced with from time to time. 
These are normal kind of questions believers ask themselves, in, especially in difficult times. Well, in some of Paul's last words, because the second epistle to Timothy is his last words, as some have termed it, this is the last will and testament of the boss of Paul. As you know, he was in prison awaiting his execution, which was only a matter of days or weeks away. And, um, and so he answers these kind of questions, and he helps Timothy himself immensely here. And as you know, Timothy was the pastor at Ephesus, and he was feeling the pressure and feeling the heat. And uh, we looked last week at the first nine verses, and they were very much a warning passage, a warning passage of, of how the last days, that is between the, the ascension when the Lord Jesus Christ went back to heaven and to when he comes again, and how these last days, Paul warns us, would be filled with seemingly insurmountable difficulties for the church. We looked at how there's going to be difficult people, there's going to be false teaching, and, and the sins of the culture would be pressurizing and invading this church big time. And this was happening in Timothy's time. So nothing's due under the sun, as we looked at last week. And as we know, it's still happening today. So in this text, Paul anticipates Timothy would be asking himself some serious questions. Timothy, we can say, would be asking, is there a shortcut? Is there another way through all this for me? How can I resist being swept along to accommodate these false teachers and their speculation on spiritual matters? How can I resist that? How can I stand against the, the tide of their clever philosophy and their, their words how can I stand against that with God's truth without becoming bitter and cynical and hard-hearted? How can I do this? So the apostle anticipated these kinds of questions from young Pastor Timothy. And Paul understood, you see, he understood being a much older man and being through the mill and being a truly the man of God that he was. He understood that there was no place, no place in God's workforce for those who would buckle under pressure and compromise God's truth. There's no place for them at all. He understood that God wants his servants to be like, as we have already looked at in chapter 2 of this letter, he understood that God's servants need to be, to be like the loyal soldiers and like the disciplined athlete and like the hard-working farmer in metaphorical expression. He understood that. And Paul knew that it's only strong and faithful people who will defend and stand for the truth of God's word. And he sees this potential. He's seen it in Timothy's life. And he doesn't want it to alter. He wants it to continue. As he wants this for every true servant leader of the Lord today, which includes every one of us, by the way, and particularly elders and leaders in the church. Because we're all leaders to some degree. You may be a leader in the home. God bless you in that. You have a responsibility. You may be a leader in a mentoring relationship. Or maybe in a Bible study. 
or whatever it may be, or in the church. But one thing for sure, every believer is called to be a leader by example, right? We're meant to be leaders or lead by example. And so this passage here is for all of us, not just for the leaders in the church or going right back to Timothy himself. So what Paul does in this section from verses 11 to 17 is not so much warn Timothy as he did in those first nine verses, but now he sets to and encourages him. He encourages Timothy by reminding him of the qualities he already has in order to overcome whatever difficulties Timothy might be right at that time facing or that he might face in the future in his service to the Lord. You see, Timothy, Paul knew that Timothy had already what it took to be a strong and a godly leader in difficult times. He knew that. And so Paul here reminds Timothy of those qualities. So what are those qualities? What are these qualities that, that trademark Timothy and every strong leader in the Lord's ministry? Well, what we see here in this section from 10 to 17, we see two categories, I believe. That's how I've tagged it up anyway. And we'll only be looking at the first of these categories this morning, and God willing, next week we, or the week after, we will be looking uh, at the second vital truth uh, at the end of this chapter. But the first quality that Timothy had for being a strong and a faithful leader among God's people is this. He had a godly and a strong mentor. You got that? He had a godly and a strong mentor. You see, Paul was Timothy's mentor. And Timothy had faithfully followed his example. The second one is, which we'll look at, God willing, next time we're together, is how spiritual foundation of Timothy's life, they were inextricably linked to his strong and godly convictions that were passed on to him. Through the scriptures, namely by his mother and his grandmother, and also now Apostle Paul. So we'll look at that next time. So let's take this from the top and learn about what characterizes godly servant leaders who are prepared for every good work, because that's what the Lord's in the business of doing, right? Preparing us for every good work. And so the first heading I've got up there is godly leaders will have strong mentors as their example, verses 10 to 13. This is our first category. This is what we're going to be looking at this morning. And so as I've said, we can see the shift here. There's a shift in his emphasis on the subject matter from verses 1 to 9. And verse 1 to 9 was, was all about the false teaching and the difficulties that would take place and how they are to be avoided, how the false teachers and the false teaching is to be avoided. That was what it was all about. But here, Paul shifts somewhat and reminds Timothy of the contrast seen in his own, that's Paul's own sacrificial and faithful loyal life and ministry. In other words, Timothy, you never followed those false teachers or were taken in by their speculations and clever words, but you have followed me, and that's good. And keep on doing that. This is what Paul is saying here. Now, before we look at the qualities that Timothy followed in Paul, I want us to consider for a little while what it means to follow here, because it's very important. In Timothy's case, it would have been at least 15 years, maybe a year or so extra, that Timothy had walked in Paul's shoes. Walked behind him, walked with him, walked beside him. Literally, from place to place. 
He followed him in his ministry journeys. He learned everything he knew about the Lord, everything he knew about the Lord. About, in fact, he, he was, it was through Paul's evangelism and his preaching that Timothy came to Christ. That's why he calls him in the first epistle, my son in the faith. So everything he knew about salvation, about eternal life, about evangelism, and about leading God's people to maturity came from Paul. He followed and he learnt by Paul's example during all those ministry years. Paul was Timothy's mentor and Timothy followed Paul's example. You get the picture? Now I know we cannot literally walk from here to Bordertown or from here to wherever or, and, and do that. Times have changed technologically and, 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 so, and for the good too, I believe. Might be... A, might have been a lot better for me, but there you are. But let me ask you, who are you following apart from the supreme example of Jesus Christ? Who are your earthly mentors? Because you know what? We need them. You need them. We're never saved to be alone, to be islands. That's why it's always good to come to church, to fellowship with fellow saints, to be encouraged. That's why it's good to come to Bible studies and to, and to interact with one another. That's why it's good to hang out with other believers because we need that mentoring. But further than that, we need to, there's, there's always going to be someone. It doesn't necessarily have to be the pastor. It can be always someone whom you can walk alongside with, maybe to mentor or for them to be mentored by you. This has got all discipleship. It's not new. It, it's, it's as old as Scripture itself. But we tend to think that we don't need that these days, do we? Just come to church on Sundays and she'll be right. That's not how it is. This is important because, you know what, to some degree we all always, all of us follow someone. You know that? We're all followers. We're all imitators. And whoever we follow, whomever we pattern our lives after, is to a large degree what you turn out to be. That's how it is. Even on a community scale, if you took this church here and plonked it into Africa, you would be like something out of, from another, well, you would be from a foreign land. It would be very, very different. Or even you going to another home. It would be very, very different. Because you've learnt. You, 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 you've come along and you've been nurtured in this culture, etc. But what about who do we follow? You know, we can even follow ourselves. We can, we can have as our mentor our own opinions. The cry today of the culture, follow your heart, follow your heart. Go where your heart leads you. The scripture warns us that our heart is desperately sick and wicked. So don't follow your heart. It's not reliable. It only leads you down the broad road. And so the Lord puts people in our lives, the opportunity to have as mentors. You know, we're marked by those we model. They are our mentors because we follow their example, be it good, bad or otherwise. And Timothy was marked for life by his godly mentor, the Apostle Paul. And this is why it is important whose ministry you also sit under. What sermons you listen to, the theological training you get, the books you read. 
because the people who influence your life the most will make a profound impact upon you. They will, whether you like them or not, put their mark upon you. And again, I say this, that's how it is. Most often, even their convictions and perspectives also become yours. And Paul understood that if Timothy or anyone is to be loyal and strong against false teaching and the sinful culture that was invading the church, church Paul knew that they needed to be followers to have learnt from a strong and faithful servant who had walked that way before them. Paul knew that. That's the challenge, folks. Who are you following? Who are you following? We all need spiritual mentors in our lives. We all need examples to follow who will mark us as strong leaders, whether it be in the home or in our relationships or in the church. I, for years, have followed and been mentored by many. The first being my godly parents, and particularly my father, I had the privilege of being brought out of a home where I saw him teach the word and preach the word. He was truly a man of God. And I know a lot of people are not privileged to have that upbringing, but that was mine. And, and my elders soon became my mentors. I can remember being a young man, 13 years of old, 13 years of age, and I hated it at the time, and I, was, I didn't want to do it, but one of my elders made me sit down and write out my first big Massive assignment on what God was doing, bringing the children of out of Israel and, and bringing them into the Protestant. And I had to put it all down on paper. And I thought, well, who am I to do this? But man, I valued that input he had into my life. And also, if you look at my library in here, even though most of those men, some of them I have, but most of those men I have never seen. On my library, you will see books by... Men like John MacArthur, Martin Lloyd-Jones, Montgomery James Boyce. They will line my shelves. They have become, even though I've never met them in person, they have become my mentors because I have learnt from them. I have followed their theology and I've learnt from their preaching. They've become my valued mentors. So again, I ask you, who are you following? Who have you purposely set out to learn from to help you grow and reach spiritual maturity? What examples, what godly examples do you follow, folks? Because you need to. The Bible gives us many examples of faithful witnesses, right? And we do know that many of them failed and, and uh, they fell into sin. But thankfully, we do see many others like Paul and Timothy who do finish well. Godly examples. And by the way, we all need to be exposed to a number of godly examples, right? Don't get to thinking that maybe myself or even John MacArthur has a special corner of God's truth. We need to have mentors, plural. Timothy did. He had his first start, he had his mother, grandmother, and then he had his mother, and then he had the Apostle Paul that we know of. He had mentors, plural. 
Well, Timothy had the greatest example of mentor apart from Jesus Christ, whom the disciples had. Timothy had the Apostle Paul as his mentor. Now, as we consider this, we should be asking another question, but what kind of qualities should I look for? In other words, you know, I just don't want to follow anyone. What, what do I look for? What are the strengths? What are the character qualities that I should be discerning in someone who can be my mentor or who can be a godly example for me to learn and grow from? Let's face it, there are a lot of religious and dodgy charlatan people out there, right? They're charlatans, they're counterfeits. So you don't want to be following them. So what Paul does in this passage is he gives us nine ingredients of a faithful leader that we can emulate. And these nine qualities can be grouped into another, again, two categories so we can recognize those who are worthy to be our mentors. The first one covers the ministry responsibilities and the second one covers our mentor's personal character and action. So let's have a look at the first one of these, a godly mentor's ministry responsibilities. Firstly, Paul reminds Timothy in our text, you followed my teaching, my conduct, my purpose. Now I've added the word my in there because in the original it has a definite article, we call it, in front of each of those descriptions. And so what Paul is saying, he's not only saying you followed my teaching, conduct, and purpose, etc. He's saying you followed my teaching, my conduct, my purpose, and for even the rest of them it's my, 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 a definite article. And so these three first that we've looked at are all about ministry duties. It deals with the what and how of ministry. And first of all, we see that Timothy followed Paul's teaching. That is, he listened, he learned, and he imitated the apostolic teaching of the Apostle Paul. This would involve listening to Paul expound the Scriptures so powerfully and so carefully and applicably. He would have listened and heard many, many times that taking place as he spoke to his hearers. What Paul is doing here is contrasting Timothy to those people who have been led astray by the teaching of the false prophets. That's what he's doing. You followed my teaching. You didn't follow them. You followed my teaching. That's what you've been doing for years and years and years and are still doing it. So keep on doing it. That's what Paul says. So keep on doing that. Keep following the gospel that I preach, the authoritative teaching that I have been given by God to teach. Do not renege or waver ever, ever on that. Keep on doing that. You followed my teaching. You see, folks, a true disciple of Jesus Christ, because ultimately we follow Jesus Christ, but God puts in our place earthly people whom can be our mentors or whom we can mentor other people. A true disciple of the Lord does not run after new trends or every new fad that comes out and most likely tickles the ears of many churchgoers even today. A true disciple of Jesus does not do that. A true disciple of the Lord, he or she, what they want, they want the meat of the word. They're not satisfied with, as someone has tagged it, gospel light which is a watered-down version of the gospel. And someone has even said, these are, are sermonettes for Christianettes. A true 
disciple of Jesus Christ does not want it there. And Paul here, a true leader, a true mentor worthy of following, begins with the teaching of the all-sufficient and powerful word of God's truth. So whatever you do, don't go soft on that. So if you're thinking of tagging along with someone, make sure they're true on this. And that they, they may not be able to expound the scriptures eloquently and, and fully and, and as good as someone else, but as long as they acknowledge and teach the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ and acknowledge its sufficiency and its absolute authority in their life, that's a person to take note of. Now this is why Paul said to Timothy in the next chapter, verses 1 and 2, He says, I charge you in the presence of God and of Jesus Christ, who is a judge of the living and the dead, and by his appearing in us the kingdom, preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience and teaching. He was able to do that because this is what I have done, Timothy. This is what you have done and are doing. Keep on doing that. And so he gives us extra charge to encourage them to keep on doing what he's been doing. The next ministry duty that a mentor needs to be adequate is, is his conduct. Because the next word there we have, remember Timothy, you followed my conduct. The word in the context here means way of life. Some of your translations may have that there, way of life. Well, simply put, any mentor, any mentor worthy of assault will practice what they preach. Their way of life, their off-duty lifestyle, which is never off-duty. We're on duty, right? We're always on duty. No matter whether in the workplace, the home, at church, we are on duty. We're in the Lord's army. We belong to Christ. Christianity, being a true Christian, is a lifestyle. It's not something that is part of our life. It is our lives. So a true disciple of Jesus Christ is never off duty, but I've got it for the sake of, of making sense here, the uh, sense of this um, word. So their lifestyle, when I step out of this pulpit, when I go home, when I do what I do in my leisure, what I do in my holidays, my conduct wherever, wherever, am I walking my talk? That's what needs to be scrutinized. And that's what people need to check out with you and you need to check out with others you see Paul lived out what he preached and Timothy saw and he knew that and now he was to continue following and emulating Paul in that this is why I love the local church you will know more about me than you will know about John MacArthur you will know more about me than you'll know about any other celebrity great and better preachers than me you'll know a whole lot more about me and also within one another You see me when I'm up, you see me when I'm down. You see how I respond to people sometimes, which could be a whole lot better. And you see me in every facet of life. Is that man living up to what he preaches? See, this is the beauty of the local church and being mentored by one another within the local church. You should be able to look at a person's way of life and tell whether or not he or she is a godly example worthy of following. This would include, as I said, how they spend their time, their money, their leisure, would include, to include how they relate to friends, their family, their spouse, their strangers. And Christianity certainly is. It affects all of life. It's a lifestyle. A godly example is one who lives under the lordship of Jesus Christ. And that is when his conduct will be worthy of emulating. 
And thirdly, Paul says, remember, Timothy, you followed my purpose. You followed my purpose. The Apostle Paul, as you know well, was surely a man of purpose. He had a driving passion that motivated him. Actually, his whole life's purpose was embedded in God's purposes. He was a purposeful man, can we say. He was a driven man. His purpose was to bring about God's purposes in the gospel. He could say of his purposes in Ephesians 3, 9-11, this is what he said, to bring to light for everyone what is the plan of the mystery hidden for ages in God who created all things so that through the church the manifold wisdom of God might be made known to rulers and authorities in heavenly places. This was according to the eternal purpose that he has realized in Christ Jesus our Lord. In other words, he did everything for the glory of God, 1 Corinthians 10.31. Whether you eat or whether you drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. That was his purpose. He related every aspect of his life to the supreme purpose of knowing Christ Jesus as Lord and making him known to others. Philippians 3.8-10 says, this is what Paul says, I count everything as lost because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ. The gospel truth ran through the Apostle Paul's veins as it were. Someone said that when they were writing up of C.H. Spurgeon that such was the truth of the gospel part of his life. And when you talk to him, his blood was bibline. It was full of the scriptures. It was full of the gospel. It was full of truth. He oozed the Bible. He oozed it. And this is about the Apostle Paul here. His whole purpose was to bring glory to God. You know, he even disciplined himself. For the purpose of godliness. We told that in 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 1. In other words, he, there were things that he could have and legitimately gone into and did and done, but, but he chose not to because it may cause some friction or it may disqualify him in some way in people's eyes as being a minister of the gospel. So folks, any who have this kind of driving force, this divine purpose, what they do is they develop a life of integrity and faithfulness and they certainly deserve our attention for us to emulate. Okay, this is, can we come to our second point this morning and we see a godly mentor's personal character in action. And Paul says right at the outset, Timothy, you followed my faith. And so he moves from ministry to character here. Now this word faith here is not referring to personal trust that we place in the Lord Jesus for personal salvation. You don't emulate that. Someone has said, God has no grandchildren. What they mean by that is that every single person, one at a time, must come to Jesus Christ as a repentant sinner for salvation in faith. We don't get that and we don't come into that wonderful position any other way. It's not by copying what your parents did or copying what the church does or copying what this does. No, no, no. And so Paul says, you cop 
you you followed my faith and so what he means here is or would be better understood actually some of your translations might have it because of the the, the word in this here means faithfulness you followed my faithfulness in other words you followed the ongoing life of faith that Paul professed that's what Timothy did the same word here is used in relation to God's ongoing faithfulness in relation to Israel. That's right. So God was faithful now, and, um, and Israel followed. He was faithful towards them. So the same word is used. The same word is used also of a, of, of a believer in manifesting the fruit of the Spirit. So in other words, a faithful believer, a one who follows the, the, the Paul, Timothy who followed Paul's faith, would have manifested the spirit of God that was in him. And how would he have done that? He would have done that by producing and manifesting the fruit of the spirit, which we see in Galatians 5, 20, which begins with love and peace and so forth and all those attributes. So men and women who live out their faith in the Lord in everyday life are the kind of people you need to take note of and follow. So this is the faith that Paul is speaking of here. A lived out faith. These people, they're not closet Christians, we might say. They're not closet Christians. Whereas those kind of people are like saints on Sunday and they live like the devil every other day. No, no, that's that's not the deal here. Timothy lived out his faith and Paul reminds him to continue emulating his faithfulness by doing that. Then Paul said, you followed my patience. Oh, well, this is getting close to home, isn't it? The word patience here is a little different than when it is used most other times in the New Testament, different in the fact that it has the added idea of long-suffering and steadfastness. And this is all to do with people and how we treat and respond to them. This, is, this word is, is closely related and connected to, to people. And some have suggested that it carries the idea of holding back a long time before anger and passion kicks in. I really like that. I do, I really like that. It puts kind of some legs on this word. In other words, this virtue describes a person who does not have a short fuse. They hold their tongues, they do not instantly rip into their spouse or their kids at the slightest propagation. They hold back a patient person as Paul was, also means that he had undeterred determination and he was resolute in his ongoing persistence to bring the gospel to whoever came across his path. He was steadfast and resolute in that. He was patient in that. A patient servant of the Lord is a mark of one who is devoted to the Lord and he is certainly worthy of our attention to follow. Then Paul says to Timothy, you followed my love. And it goes without saying, because God is love and is loving, no devoted servant of the Lord can be without love, right? This is a virtue that should mark all believers, above all else. This word here, love, is, as you may already know, is agape love. Agape is a Greek word where it describes this, a love that is sacrificial. It was the same love that Christ had for us. Sacrificial love. It was a selfless love. 
This is why we as Christians are to walk in love just as Christ also loved and gave himself up for us an offering and a sacrifice to God as a fragrant aroma, Ephesians 5.2. This love is the, is the first in the list of the fruit of the Spirit as we mentioned before in Galatians 5. And as we know, the Holy Spirit indwells every born-again believer, every true believer, and he's there in us and of us, and it's through the Word of God that we will cultivate the fruit of the Spirit. And love is the first of the list there. So above all other virtues, in any prospective mentor, yourself included, is there this sacrificial, selfless love being demonstrated in your life? Is there? We need to ask ourselves that question. Because that kind of love, selfless and sacrificial love, is essential in the life of any mentor that we would begin to follow or would have others follow us. Then we see that this godly mentor was one who, who persevered. Timothy followed Paul's perseverance. Now, although Timothy observed Paul's patience with people, this word perseverance is more to do with not so much face-to-face with people, it's more to do with handling difficult circumstances. This is all about enduring when the going gets tough. This is all about digging in and, and remaining resolute for the truth of the gospel when problems and difficulties are severely challenging. And we all know that that can happen at any time. And maybe some are going through those right now. And this was no doubt seen when, when the Apostle Paul just tasked himself back to his history, to his record. The Apostle Paul was shipwrecked. He was beaten. He was imprisoned. He was chased out of town on numerous occasions. And all this, Paul was like a dog with a bone. He really was. He never gave up. Never, ever gave up. For you this morning, it may be some health issue. It may be a job loss or even the need of a church building or a new pastor. Those who persevere in faith and love and patience, those who endure for the gospel's sake when circumstances are, are seemingly against them are marked as mentors worthy to follow. And finally, when you add up all of Paul's personal character virtues, in verses 11 to 13, we see how they were put to the test, how they were proven. You see, it's when the going gets tough that godly leaders really show their true mettle. Godly mentors respond to difficult experiences. You see, James tells us the trials that we come into are tests for our faith and the trials that we have produce endurance but the trouble is often when we are faced with persecution, suffering, trials or whatever you may call them the same as Timothy and Paul experienced what we often tend to do is try and escape them at all costs and it may be, if worse comes to worse, even rail upon God when nothing happens. Rather than submitting to God's sovereign and providential will. 
Some will even get angry at God. Some will even leave the church. Some will, will just say it didn't work for me. It really, I believe, shows their authenticity of their faith. We can tend to drift toward the world when the fat hits the fan of life rather than draw near to the Lord, Lord right? That can happen. But a godly example trusts God and grows spiritually through the trials, through the difficulties. And so Paul reminds Timothy of the locations here in our text and the times of the various trials that he encountered. And he kind of says, Timothy, you remember when I was at Antioch and Iconium and Lystra. Lystra was Paul, Timothy's hometown, remember. This is where he was saved. And Lystra was a place where Timothy got stoned and was dragged outside the city and left for dead. Timothy would have known all that and probably even seen all that. During the first missionary journey, Paul and Barnabas were, were driven away from Antioch because of, of intense persecution. Read the Acts in Acts chapter 13 and so forth. And, and down to Iconium, he had to fled there. Otherwise, he was going to be stoned. Lystra, he was. Acts 14. But rather than let such awful persecution deter him, you know what Paul did? He went right on preaching. Matter of fact, the place where he was stoned and if it did, the next day he turned around and he came right back and began preaching the gospel. Now that takes guts. It takes a spirit of God. It takes a man of purpose and of patience and a man who knows how to deal with difficult experiences. He focuses on God's purposes rather than his own circumstances. So when Paul says the Lord rescued him out of them, he means that God brought him through them. Because we know very well that the Lord did not rescue Paul from when he was stoned. And we did not rescue Paul that when he was... A lot of those situations when he was shipwrecked, okay, he came out alive, but he, he endured all the truth them. And as far as Paul knew, hey, his life is going to end here. He understood through many years of experience that the Lord brought him through them, but not necessarily from the trial itself. God gave Paul the faith and endurance to stand strong despite the suffering. And Timothy knew God had delivered Paul over and over. And, and this testimony of, of a life given over to God should have motivated and no doubt would have motivated Timothy to stand against any false teachers and persecution that he would experience in his own ministry. And some of us are talking this morning that we know at a later stage, Timothy himself did end up in prison because he was released there. You have a look right at the end of the book of Hebrews. But let's not miss verse 12 here. It's a promise for every one of us to claim as believers. Indeed, all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. You see that? We don't like that, do we? Don't like that. But it's there. In other words, every faithful believer should expect suffering and persecution to some degree. Now, not all of us are going to be burned at the stake. Not all of us are going to be beheaded. Not all of us are going to be thrown in prison purely because of our faith. People today are around the world and have down through history. But it may be ridicule that you get or maybe a rejection of some kind or at the other end of the pendulum, it may be extreme violence and even death that you're called to suffer. 
But all faithful believers should expect some opposition from the world. This is what it's saying. So if you're not expecting, you're not getting any or never had any opposition, can I say, like the Apostle Paul to the Corinthians, examine yourself to see whether you're in the faith. And when that happens, mentors worthy to follow will be those who, when the difficulties come, when trials come, uh, when kind of everything heads up and you know that you need to make a stand. We, you know, we want to be like Martin Luther. You know what Martin Luther did? He got up before all of his accusers and all those who were uh, totally against him and he says, here I stand. Martin Luther put his life on the line. As far as he knew, he could have been taken out and burned at the stake right there and then. But he put the Lord's purposes first. Another promise is that these evil men and, and counterfeit ministers of the gospel, it says here they're going to grow from worse to worse. It's not going to get easier. There's no letting up here. They will increase the heat on the church and they're going to continue to deceive it. We see it happening today. Today we're told by religious leaders to shift our ideas. The evangelical churches saying you need to get with it. You need to be brought up to speed. It's not like that anymore. You need to understand the things in the light of culture and back off from the truth of Scripture. That's what we're being told. We need to shift our ideas on what marriage is all about and what morality is all about and what ethics are all about. As Scripture alone by itself is outdated. That's what we're being told. That's what the church is being told. And this is coming from within the church, dare I say. Dare I say. So what are we to do in such an incredible, hostile environment? What are you going to do? What was Timothy exhorted to do by Paul, his mentor? What are you doing now? What are we doing now? As, as the church is being attacked from within and from without, um, being, being pressured to compromise the truth of God's word, being pressured to adapt new ways, to give people what they want. What are we going to do? What are you going to do as an individual about that? Are you going to remain indifferent? Are you going to remain or be non-committed? Oh, leave that to the, someone else or the leaders. Dare I say, that is the devil winning the battle. Well, he won't win the war, but he'll, he can win battles. You see, folks, you need a mentor. I need a mentor. But most of all, we need to follow those whom Paul has described here. We must need, we do need, and to godly examples in our lives for us to follow. So you may need right here this morning to reevaluate your life, like no doubt Timothy would when he read this. He would have come to the conclusion, I know what I've got to do. I know the answers to all those maybe questions that he had. How can I get through this? What shortcut can I take? Is there another way? I know what I've got to do now. Continue. You, however, continue in the things you have learned. Verse 14, see that? So this will take us into the text or the next vital truth which we'll look at next time we're together and that will be godly leaders have strong convictions 
as their spiritual foundations. And I'm looking forward to getting into that part of the text because it's such a relevant passage for us today. Shall we pray? Our Father in heaven, we bow before you as needy people. We confess to you, Lord, that we often think we can go it alone. We confess that we we don't need your people that you have put into our lives and faces, as it were. We can survive just by catching up maybe once a week or if that. We confess, Lord, that that's sometimes our thinking. Forgive us for that. For it is of your grace that you have constituted local churches like we have here where there are elders and deacons and saints. We thank you for this forever family that where born-again believers are brothers and sisters in Christ and that belonging and being a disciple of Jesus Christ, it's, it's a way of life. It's not something that is attached to our other life, as it were. So help us understand that, Father. Help us appreciate one another. Help us to show more love and patience and endurance perseverance and even when facing difficulties bring us alongside someone help us to be make ourselves available to come alongside others to help them whatever the case may be father we need our brothers and sisters in our lives a whole lot more than they are and so father we pray this and ask that you would bless this assembly and uh, Lord, uh, in all its needs, uh, spiritual needs being the, the most primary. And so, Father, we ask that you would bless your word amongst us. May it do its work in our hearts and lives. Change us, transform us, we pray. We ask these things and part us with your blessing, we pray. In the name of our Lord Jesus. Amen.